2: Right, rug, flooring. She said, Listen, let me ask you a question. If
3: this person came into your life eight years ago and said, Hey, Dorinda, I'm going to come into your life. I'm going to love you, cherish you, cherish your daughter, adore you. You're going to have a great eight years, but then I got to go. Would you take them? I said, Of course, mom. She goes, Well, that's what you got. Everything in life has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It may not be the timing you want, but everything. So you need to be appreciative of that and you need to move on and be thankful.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Oz, and this is the Dr. Oz podcast. During the medley stars in the hit reality show The Real Housewives of New York City and recently announced her brand new series XM radio show, Yay! Make it make nice. Make it nice. I love when you say that. You know, that became I iconic get our show be, behind the scenes. Really? Yes. We also, we when the producers are making a, a sandwich, we say, we
4: made it nice.
3: I love that. <laughs> you know, I am so related to that phrase now. I was actually in London about a month ago, and I thought, okay, I'm going to have a little bit of rest from the whole housewives thing. I literally was walking out of my hotel, and someone, ran, a car went by and said, make it nice. I was <laughs> like, oh, my God. I
0: love it. Well, you, you got a quick wit, sunny demeanor. You can wear your heart on your your sleeve, which really makes you a fantastic guest on the show. And I know today we'll have a good time, no matter what you tell the truth. She's opening up here today about her life off screen and what's given her strength and courage during some of her darkest days. So most of what we see you doing is, to to me anyway, seems like a lot of fun. Yes. Did you ever, did you ever anticipate what would happen when you shared all those private moments publicly?
3: No, I I always said, someone asked me uh, when I first started the show, do you think the show could ruin your life? I said, I think you ruin your life. I think people like to make an excuse and say, this ruined my life, that ruined my life. We ruin our lives. And for me, the show was an, incredible, an incredibly therapeutic thing to do. I was at a point in my life where I was really lost. All my identities were gone. I wasn't a mother. I wasn't a wife. I mean, I was a mother, but my daughter had grown up and moved, went to college. My husband passed. I was in my 50s. And I'm like, this is it? And I couldn't really understand why, what, when, how this happened. So when I went on the show, it was an incredible way to express what I've been through, what I'm going through, and what I kind of hope for my life now. And it really, the thing that was so great is I wasn't a wife or a mother or this or that. I was just Dorinda. I got to be my own identity and develop my own identity for the first time in probably 35 years.
0: Mm-hmm. How did how, you get picked? I'm always curious about that process. Here's why I'm asking my sister-in-law, who's a complete character... And is the bane of my existence. She tortures me. All the things my wife wants to say to me, she actually says to me. Oh boy, I like her. And uh, yeah, and I I always kid her that I'm going to nominate her to be a housewife of wherever she happens. to Well, where
3: left. is she? We're always looking. <laughs> no,
0: she's no, She lives in Delaware. Oh. I was going to do housewives of Wilmington. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but but there's a whole bunch down there. I grew up in that town. I but, love Delaware. The, Delaware, by the way. Yeah, most people only know it because you drive through it on ninety five. But the t- it's a beautiful area.
3: It's beautiful, and I have a very good friend that lives there because well, she lives actually in Ardmore, but they have their home in Delaware, so I Go visit all the time. I love it. And Delaware people are very sort of good, good solid yeah,
0: people. They are. They are solid is the right yeah. word. And so I'm always w- wondering, what if I was casting, I would find someone like her. But you guys are all so different from each other. The, the brilliant folks at Bravo must have some magical way of to telling who's gonna be the right match Well you have to remember
3: uh, and not a lot of people know this but uh, there's a lot of cameo appearances of me throughout the years because I've know I know the girls I've mm-hmm. known them We all kind of were on the upper East side and I think when you are on the Upper East side you just it's like being back in college we all kind of do the same thing send our kids to the same schools go to the same social events, Really, it's like being on a college campus. So when it started, it was called Moms of New York. And I'll never forget it. Um, Ramona Singer started telling me about it. So Because Ramona's daughter went to Sacred Heart, the same school as my daughter. right? She said, so there's this new show, and they're fighting for the show. And it's going to be about women that they follow around in New York, and they go to cocktail parties, and they do all kinds of... I'm like, that sounds so ridiculous. I mean, who would, do, who would be interested in that?
0: Yeah, so Andy I, Cohen. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> it.
3: And I had just gotten divorced. And... I just didn't—and Hannah was in private school, and she had had enough change that I was sort of—I was like, no, this is not the right time. And But I would go to all the events. They'd invite me to all the events. I would always kind of be asked, would you ever do it? No, it's not a good time. Then I married Richard, and he was involved with politics, and he was a speechwriter for different people, Hillary Clinton and Geraldine Farrar and all these people. And that wasn't right. And then when Richard passed, Ramona came and said, try it for a season. You know we want to have you on. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to throw my hat in the wind. If it doesn't work, I'll talk about it when I'm in the nursing home. Oh, remember when oh, I was on that season? And the housewives, remember yes, that? Right. But I've got to tell you something. The minute I got on the show, I swear to God this is true. That camera went on. I looked at the camera. The camera looked at me. I was like, I like this. I, and I just, it, I think it also was very helpful because I knew the girls already. I had history. We have similar lives. So
0: how, how how real is it? One
3: hundred percent. I swear to you. Guys, God.
0: fight. I mean, most people don't stay friendly after some of these fights.
3: Well, listen, you you all, most people don't spend five days a week for a five-month period, 10 hours a day okay. either. That's true. So, you know, it's like, it truly is like being, I, I actually made a big mistake to one of my producers right before the show ended. I said, when's the semester start next year? He goes, semester? <laughs> <laughs> said, because you kind of, you have to put on that hat. You have to understand you're an ensemble group and you have to get in it. Yeah. And we know, we're we good. We're professionals. Oh, we know what me. we're doing. People like it. And people love The thing that I love about the audience, it's very forgiving. They're forgiving. You put something out there, it's rough, but it then opens up all these wonderful avenues to open up discussions about difficult things.
0: There's lots more when we come
4: back. your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow use code brain 10 and get 10 percent off that's code brain 10 and get 10 off your first purchase amen university because your mental health matters
2: right here right now find your beautiful new floor at right rug flooring
0: Uh, you mentioned Richard. Yes, losing him it was terrible. To, yeah, you've commented that the show helped you cope with those painful moments. How so?
3: Because um, you know, I could. I was never a person. I grew up in a very ethnic family, very stoic, very Catholic. You know, uh, keep it moving, don't mourn, keep running, and. It was really difficult. And I think in a weird way, Dr. Oz, the hardest part was the process of him dying. And I did not really take on how much that physically and emotionally had affected me. So when they die, it's sort of like, wait a second, I'm sick now because you sort of are sick. Someone always said, someone said to me, when you have someone dying in your family, you get sick as well. The whole family's sick. So we came out of it and, you know, Hannah wasn't didn't handle it well. I didn't handle it well. But Hannah was smart. She threw herself into therapy. She How talked she? about it. Fragile age, just turning 18. Terrible. We had to do his college applications in his ICU. And I had normalized that. So when I stepped away from it and looked at the past year and a half, I'm like, this was not normal. And I wasn't dealing with it in a way that i should have i should have spoken to someone i should have talked about it more but i did that old sort of thick ethnic thing everything's fine i'm good it's no problem i'm gonna be fine oh well it happened oh, i'm happy he actually died he was really sick oh, that gosh. wasn't you know what i mean yes. all these things and when i got on the show and really started to talk about it it became my therapy and i was like it was pa- i was like yeah that was painful
0: yeah he died of liver failure yes it which was is a, terrible. It's a very painful way to go cuz you just it up. It's ugly. Yeah. Exactly, you blow it up. You look like a tick because your are It's ugly. And you know
3: what people don't, you know, we all have sort of a romantic idea about dying. And, and you turn
0: your head, you gasp, say something really profound and go. And you're
3: th- and people are angry. And you're angry. So you want it to be, you want to present it as the way you see it on movies. And and it's not. No one was happy at the end. I wasn't happy. I think at one point, and I felt so terrible about this, and I had to forgive myself. I said to my mother, I just, I feel terrible. I I, I prayed and prayed that I'm going to get, at one point I was like, someone's got to go here. Because I, (laughs) I can't take this anymore. But I was tired. You know, when you are going through that process, especially the last three months where every day is the day. You eat it, drink it, sleep it. You don't know when to leave the hospital. You don't. When you're away from the hospital, all you want to do is get back to the hospital. Yep, and there yep. is zero focus on you or what else is going on in the world.
0: Now you, you get left behind. Yes. So, so what was the best advice you And that's you something got, I
3: wanted to talk yeah, about please. is I really, uh, I, I say this all the time, the advocacy thing. When you're an advocate for someone that's dying and you become the conservator, You have to surround yourself with a lot of good people. And I've got to say, the nurses, I mean, the doctors were great, but the nurses at New York Presbyterian, they were like angels.
0: I work with them. They they train me. And nurses make much more of the decision process you In the operating room, I don't close the chest of an open-heart surgeon until the nurses think it's dry enough to close because they see it all. I only see my cases. I don't, know how I don't know how everybody else manages these problems. The nurses are the glue that hold the system together. And not only together. that, they're
3: able. I said to one fella that I actually have stayed in touch with, I said, how do you every day have such, you know, such compassion when don't, he's like that? Because they do. They treated Richard... In my mind, like he was the only one there. And then I would catch a sight of them in a side room. I'm like, hey, you're right. treating that person a little too nice. What about my man, Richard? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. They're very good. And they reassure you and they walk you through. And they really are on the journey with you. So I called them my angels. I miss them. Yeah, Actually, I miss them.
0: I always have patients go back the ones that survive because many don't. But most do. And I have not go back and talk to the nurses in the ICU and those critical carriers because they don't see the success stories. Yes. They don't see the I ones did. that i I've that gone that...
3: back several times. Good
0: for you. What's the best advice you got as you were recovering from Richard's loss?
3: You know, my mother gave me the best advice. It makes me want to cry. But my mother, who is such an <clears throat> incredible rock in my life and has ha- handled it—sorry. <laughs> And you know, my mother handles all things beautifully, you know, life, death, birth, baptisms. It's a process. And I, I she's just so wonderful. She said to me at one point when I was, ah, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? I can't believe it's happened. Why, why, why? She said, you know, during the medley, let me ask you a question. If.
0: Using your full name, of course. Yeah, yeah of course. through the medley. She
3: said, listen, it, let me ask you a question. If this person came into your life eight years ago and said, hey, Dorinda, I'm going to come into your life. I'm going to love you, cherish you, cherish your daughter, adore you. You're going to have a great eight years. But then I got to go. Would you take them? I said, of course, mom. She goes, well, that's what you got. Everything in life has a beginning, a middle and an end. It may not be the timing you want. But everything, so you need to be appreciative of that, and you need to move on and be thankful. And it really was such a telling moment. I was like, she's right. I mean, a little bit of get up and go, you know, stop. What's your mom's name? Diane Sincala. She's she's wonderful. I'm booking Diane. Book Diane. She's wonderful.
0: Oh, my goodness.
3: She's my rock. And my mother, who I always said it was such a beautiful—it is funny. You take away so many wonderful things when you are strangely given the blessing of watching someone leave this world. I know that sounds odd to say, but it brought a closeness to me again with my mother that I may not have had— if this hadn't happened. Because all of a sudden, my mother was my mom again. I hadn't really had that kind of relationship with her for 30 years. I was a grown-up. I was living in London. I'm trying to be a socialite. All this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, I was like, Mom, I need you to sleep in my bed with me. I need that. And she would do it. And she'd get up in the morning and make me breakfast. And it just brought this incredible sense of who I am the foundation I came from, and my strength. You are Dorinda Sincala at the end of the day. She said to me one day, all these other names you've collected over the years, but you're still Dorinda Sincala. I'm like, I am mom.
0: What a great insight. You know, I, I had a patient, two patients, uh, at one point in my career. They were both about 50. They both needed open heart surgery. The first father came in he was very depressed, which is normal, because you're gonna have open heart surgery. And I was going through all the risks and the like. He, says, at he interrupted me and said, Doc, doesn't really matter. Just do what you need to do. It doesn't matter if I make it or not. So, wait a whole hold a second. We're not going to operate if it doesn't matter to you if you live. It's one thing to be down on what's going on, but you need to be passionate about surviving. And then his wife started crying, which is always a bad sign. So I figured, you know, there's something deeper here. And then she shared that their son, who was 15 years old, had been murdered. Oh my God. A, they, they were in a St. Paddy's Day parade. It was a mistaken identity, and he got killed by a gang of folks. Terrible. So they were down, and the problem may have caused some of his heart problems. Anyway, I said, I don't know what to tell you. I can't even deal with this, but the message will come to me eventually. Just, just Let's give a little hiatus here. So later that day, another guy comes in, needs heart surgery, and he's by himself. And I said, okay, here's the risk. He's about, he says, doc, doc, stop. I'm going to make it. I got to live. I said, well, I mean, everyone says that, but why do you have to live? He said, I've got a, a very disabled young son. He's 15. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's developmentally delayed, so I can't really talk to him. I got to change his diapers. My wife's uh, not in the picture. I've got to survive because without, uh, uh, without me, he can't survive. And I thought about that, and I, re- I realized that this, the, and what I said to the first guy, which was, you had 15 years of bliss with your son. As horrible as it was that you lost him, to your mother's point, you still got to have a catch with him, plan his future, Correct. dream with him. The second father never had any of that, yet he finds value in having the relationship that he does have, limited as it is. Yes. And, he found, and he, he's going to make it a reason to survive. You've got to do the same thing.
3: That, that's correct. And you have to, you know, we want to believe that life is going to be simple and straightforward. And, and one thing that I've really learned through this process, all the different changes, is I no longer write my final chapter. I'm always thinking, oh, at this, I mean, who would have thunk it? I thought I was going to be happily married to Richard, living in the Berkshires, sort of flying back and forth to London, beautiful. You know, I had it all planned out and it looked pretty damn good. And then all of a sudden, boom. Oh, no, no. We're changing the chapter. So I try to live in my present chapter of my life. I try to just live in this chapter.
0: More questions after the break.
4: Your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code Brain Ten and get ten percent off. That's code Brain Ten and get ten percent off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters.
2: Right here, right now, find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring
0: Speaking of chapters of their lives, let me ask you about a couple of your your co-stars. Okay. Luanne. Okay. So you knew this question was coming. I did. Uh, She had, uh, as part of her settlement, she was put on parole, and there's something she had to concede to, which is including uh, breathalyzer tests, which is a smart thing. So she's failed that. So what advice do you give to her? what, what, what do you, what goes through your mind when you see that happen to someone you care deeply for?
3: Yeah. I I find it very difficult to talk about this because I just feel like it's not my place, but you know, we, I don't, I'm always sort of on pins and needles when it comes to talking about anyone's recovery, because they are the only ones that understand the journey. And I just think it's difficult. It's difficult. And it's, Strangely, you know, I think everybody has some sort of scarlet letter. Some people get caught out. Some people don't. Good point. But we all, you know, it's made me self-examine a little bit and take a look at my life and say, you know, am I doing these things right? You know, because I'm not belittling anything. I'm just saying we have all made mistakes. For sure. And, you know, we can all get caught in this. You know, there's been those mornings I've woken up and said, oh, my God, <laughs> God, God, oh, that's never going to happen again. You know, I've not done anything that bad, but you know what I mean? And I just feel, you know, this has been a very difficult journey and to have to go back and go through all this and then have the added, uh, the added, uh, they've added all kinds of additional things to her probation. You know, I haven't really spoken to her that much.
0: She's, what, what, what do you want her to hear when you do speak to her, which is going to happen? At well, I period. have
3: spoken to her and I've said, you know, you're going to get through this. Stay strong day by day, day by day, you know, To tell you the truth, my real advice to her was, please go quiet. If I were in the same position, I would literally put on a house coat, go to the Berkshires, and hide until my probation was over. And the fact that she can do all these cabarets and be out there and do all that stuff is a credit to her because I wouldn't. I would go completely silent. I'd turn off my phone, and whatever the date was, I would
0: reemerge. Ta-da! (laughs) Dorinda Medley's back. (laughs) You know, I think it's therapy for her. I suspect that being alone for a lot of people is the most painful thing you can prescribe for them. I certainly see it in patients. You know, I love
3: to be alone. Do you know that's a little fun fact about Dorinda Medley that no one knows? I love my own company to the point where I can get a little odd. Odd in what way? Well, because... I really love my company, like to the point where I'm in my house. I'm like, this is so much fun. How do you? How do you make it nice when you're by yourself? What do you make it nice for? Oh, I could be busy in a paper box. I'm just one of those people, <laughs> you know. I wake up busy. That's what my mother says. I wake up busy. I just, you know, maybe it's because I spent so much of my life devoting myself to others. And you know, um, Oprah said something the other day in one of the she was doing a, a thing for one of the books that was coming out, and she said. Get rid of the need to please. And I'm like, that's me, Oprah. And the more you need to please, the more people will take. And the more they take, the more you want to please. And it becomes this vicious circle. And I have a tendency to do that. So for me, it's so nice just to please myself. I literally make myself breakfast. I'd lay in, you know, I watch TV in the living room, which I find very (laughs) luxurious. It is.
0: It is. With a blanket. The the beer. Yeah. Exactly. I have a good friend uh, who's a physician also. And one day, we you know, I take taken care of a member of his family, and he was trying to thank me. And I said, "I oh, don't you to know do that? And he goes, no, no, listen, you can't always give. You actually have to take, because if you don't take, people can't give. Yeah, and that's so difficult taking, for me. Yeah, you're taking away people's opportunity to do good, which actually hurts them. So as crazy as it seems, to the right amount, taking from others, allowing them to give to you is a gift.
4: Yes. And the guy
0: who created uh, Habitat for Humanity. Uh, He's passed away, but I had him on. Uh, when I was back when I was hosting the Oprah radio show, uh, I had him on. And he said everybody he'd ever built a house for, he'd give a little wooden piggy bank to so they could put money in it.
3: I love that. And, and donate.
0: And I said, well, I don't understand. These people are destitute. That's why you're building them a house, right? If they had money, they'd build, they'd build their own house. So why you ask them to, to give? He said, because I, I don't want to ever take away their opportunity to help others because I'm taking away their humanity. Mm-hmm. And he said, everyone always put money, could be pennies, in that wooden piggy bank, which would be the middle of the living room, to remind them that they had the opportunity to pass it on to others that's as that's well.
3: right. You give a man a house or give a man a hammer.
0: Yes. All right, last question. Go ahead. Bethany Frankel, who I've gotten to adore. Who I love. Yes. So she had, you know, she's had some loss in her life. And when, when, when Dennis passed, she grieved, but people judge her grieving. They judge Bethany about a lot so of things. So wrong explain it, defend her. I feel very
3: strongly about that. Um, because grieving is especially grieving in a younger person. I, I had a a situation at Elio's one night when I met a woman at the bar and she was probably in her eighties and Richard had just passed. And I said, Oh my God, I'm a widow too. She said, Oh no, darling, you're not a widow. A widow is for old people. What you're going through is just sad. And there's not really a manual. People don't know how to handle grief. They don't know how to approach it. You don't know how to approach it. And all these rules, and like I call it the Queen Victoria rules or regulations, wear black, da-da-da-da, be crying all the time. It doesn't work. You have to, you have to do, as I said, I think I said it to Bethany in an episode, or I said it to someone, you got to do whatever it takes to get you through this time. And if and, and no judgment. Because, they're gone, not sort of gone, not kind of gone. They're not even, they don't even care anymore. They're gone. So, and I can guarantee you one thing, Richard Medley would want nothing more than for me. He said it to me before he died. He said, listen, do me a favor. Oh, he used the Queen Victoria thing. He said, don't do that Queen Victoria thing where you sit around mourning. You've done all your mourning here. I'm dead. I'm not going to care anymore.
0: Right. How, and it uh, sat with me. Sounds like a speechwriter. He said,
3: our contract is over. We, t- we did rich or poor, sickness and health, to death to a spark. Our contract is ending, he said. And it really sat with me. And when people passed, I remember someone once passed judgment on me about something. Oh, I was dating John. And they said, well, we're just a little unhappy that you da-. I said, really? Because where are you right now? You're with your family in the Hamptons. You have your husband with you. I'm alone. So unless you want to pack up and come and live in my house with me and shepherd me through this period of my time, I don't think you have any right to say that. Mm -hmm. I'm happy. I'm doing the best I can with what I've got. And I can clearly say, I'm happy. Does that bother you? It almost bothers people for you to be happy after someone dies. I swear.
0: Which is ironic because in so many societies, humanity's always had to deal with it. But in many societies, there's a celebration around the loss so people can move on.
3: Yeah, well, that's right.
0: To make it nice, you got to keep moving. No,
3: and and Bethany deserves to be happy. She's a young, beautiful woman. She's got a beautiful daughter. Life is to be had. Go get it. And I guarantee Dennis would say, please do it.
0: Your legacy. (laughs) Years from now, when your show's done, what's it going to be? Philosopher, savant. That's it. God bless you. I love having you oh, here.
3: Oh, thank you, Dr. Oz. I love seeing Dirty you. The Medley's fantastic. One of my happiest days was in my early days when I first started the show and they said, You're gonna be on Dr. Oz. I called my mother. I like, oh my God, oh my God, it's really happening. I'm gonna be on Dr. Oz. I was so nervous.
0: Well, I've adored having you on every every single time. By the way, make it nice, perfect name for the new radio show. Thank Congratulations. You. Check it out, everybody.
3: Yes, Radio Andy Wednesday. Tuesdays, Tuesdays now, Tuesdays now.
0: Tuesday. I took
3: over Andy's show for two weeks. That's why. It's perfect.
0: (laughs) Radio Andy.